0: Welcome to Tell Me Your Story, New Paradigms for a New World. I'm Richard Dugan, your host, and uh, it's really nice to have you come our way, as it were, uh, as we uh, come your way um, quite often, depending upon whether you're listening to a podcast or a videocast, or maybe you're listening to the broadcasts on AM and FM. Uh, on Sundays at 3 a.m. or rather at 7 a.m. and 7 p.m. or Monday at 1 a.m. or maybe you're listening to the Wednesday edition. That's our special edition of Tell Me Your Story where we are streaming live at those times at richarddugan.com. The podcast, as I mentioned, they're also on SoundCloud, iTunes, TuneIn Radio, Spotify, Stitcher, Player FM, Blueberry, iHeartRadio, Amazon Music, many other locations I hope that you will... uh, Take a a time to listen to some of these programs as well as watch them on YouTube. That's right. We have a YouTube channel. Richard Dugan, tell me your story. The banner reads, 2020's The Decade of Perfect Vision. That's something we would like you to participate in by going within, listening to that still small voice. We may very well talk about that with our guests this afternoon today here on the program as we uh, continue on talking to you about the prospects for uh, listening to that still, small voice in that quiet, peaceful, calm place. We hope you'll take time to do that. and If you can support the work we're doing, we'd greatly appreciate that, too. Any financial support would be greatly appreciated through PayPal, which is there for your security as well as ours. We have a link on the homepage at richarddugan.com. And uh, do what you can. We'll take energetic support, too. We're greatly appreciative of all forms of uh, uh, energetic support through currency and, and otherwise as well as current, that keeps these electrical devices running to be able to record these programs so we can see our guests, so you can see us, you can hear us here as we talk with a returning guest. Uh, And I really enjoyed the last time we were together. His name uh, is uh, very interesting because it's David Richards. I don't know if he is in any way related to a dear friend of mine, uh, Ramona Richards, who was living in Phoenix at the time. But David, it is great to have you back on the program.
1: Richard, thank you so much for having me back. It's a pleasure to speak with you again, and I'm really excited to uh, to get into it. So,
0: Well, I'll tell you, we we I mean, there's a lot that we can talk about, but you uh, in particular, of course, you've got a couple of three books out there. You've uh, a website as well that we encourage people to go to, which of course is davidrichardsauthor.com, where you can master your awareness and master your mind. It's The Lighthouse Keeper, which is now available, and you also have uh, some other books as well, uh, that uh, we're going to talk about as well. Uh, in terms of the work that you are doing now, what is the first and foremost aspect of what you are trying to accomplish? Through let's not let's not keep it to just the website, but just in terms of all your work and the Lighthouse Keeper, which is one of your books, and whiskey and yoga, which we'll get into as well. I kind of like that; it's sure. rather interesting. <laughs>
1: yeah yeah, no thank you thank you um so yeah really it's about what if i told you that a dream that you had at any point in your life that you dismissed as impossible because it was so fantastic so ridiculous so outrageous not only was possible but was probable and you can make that dream a reality that is where my focus has shifted especially i've been working on my next book for two and a half years now and between the research for the book and getting further into quantum physics and kind of coming up this idea of quantum focus. It's how do you, how do you really get people to understand that their mind is the gateway to anything they want will accomplish. Like you can say, I want to lose weight. Mm-hmm. And if I go to the gym and go to, I go to the gym, I'll lose weight or I'll eat better. But if you don't start with getting that right in the mind, you'll fail. And we know that people do new year's resolutions every year. And by February they're, they're cashed out, right? It's, I'm going to go to the gym, and it, then it's cold, and then I'll sleep in, I'll work out tomorrow, I'll work out tonight, and after six weeks or so, they're done, and it's because you haven't programmed and conditioned the mind for that success, and that's really what this drive towards quantum focus is, because as you understand more and more, and I think it's really as the world starts to understand more and more about quantum physics, you realize that everything is quantum, and mm-hmm. most of us grew up in a Newtonian physics world, where this idea that there's everything separate. Everything is separate. The glass that I'm holding to drink my water is separate. My headphones are separate. And so we apply this to the world that we experience. But when you really start to understand quantum physics, quantum physics is everything. It doesn't matter if you believe it or not. You are a quantum being. You're a quantum creature. Mm -hmm. And so when you come to that understanding, you start to realize how powerful the mind is. And then you start to get to this point where you ask, okay, well, if everything is quantum and there's a relationship with everything, sort of this mesh of life, then... Who's asking the questions inside me? Because it's this quantum kind of essence or quantum being. And so that's really what, uh, that's really been worth focusing on now for the past couple of years.
0: Now, does this tie into uh, what uh, one philosopher, I think it was Jung, who said that there is only one mind. There's that one universal mind and that we are all just uh, um, sort of tapped into it. Uh, Ergo, why we go in, we go within and listen to that still small voice. But I'm not listening for you, and you're not listening for me. That's not what it's there for. It's there for me to listen for me, right?
1: It's, if you think, so it was was Jung who said that. In fact, he's been quoted a lot. I'm reading this current book called The Quantum Revelation by Paul Levy. And it's fascinating because it contradicts everything that Newtonian physics, everything that basically the last 1,900, 2,000 years of human history have been built upon because we've, we figured this was a material world We and then we started to dissect it. We got deeper and deeper. and It's only been the last hundred years that we figured out the, the quantum world. So it's absolutely this deeper understanding. And, you know, it's so funny because you hear things about like the pineal gland. Like I remember hearing one of my favorite bands is Tool, the, the progressive metal band Tool, and they have a song called Third Eye. And at the beginning of it, they have this voiceover from this comedian who talks about like, oh, you know, all the musicians you like, all the artists you like have been really high on drugs. And it's kind of like, okay, but you really start to understand the pineal gland was something that the Egyptians were tuned into, you know, thousands of years ago, thousands of years ago. And so it really is an opportunity to expand, but it all comes in the mind. And that little voice is absolutely essential. It's almost like we have our own frequency to that voice and you just have to tune into it and have the courage to make that journey.
0: We're talking with David Richards, davidrichardsauthor.com is the website. He's got a book called uh, The Lighthouse Keeper. We'll talk a little bit about that as well as whiskey and yoga. I I think those would make good combinations because one way or the other, you're going to get loosened up, I guarantee you, here on Tell Me Your Story. I'm Richard Dugan, your host. And sometimes we do need a shot, David Richards. It's uh, just one of those things that uh, uh, helps us to, um, I don't know, cope sometimes, but I know that's not what the intent is, but it certainly uh, does illustrate uh, that the whole point is to loosen up, is to relax, is to oh, I I use this analogy. Someone actually liked the analogy. I'm probably not the first to use it, but um, I tell people that The best way to go through life is to jump in the river, um, roll over on your back and float and let the currents take you where they will. Now, you may take be taken over to one shore a little bit and then over into the middle back to the other shore. You may hit a few rapids here and there, you know, and it'll calm down again. And then maybe some more uh, um, uh, swift currents and so forth. But as long as you're floating on top and being carried, okay, it's pretty easy. I myself I have not mastered the floating on one's back. my, my eldest sister who uh, I just lost recently, uh, she could float flawlessly on her back every time. I can float on my stomach. That's called drowning, ladies and gentlemen. that's as good as it gets for me, but I can still go with the flow of the of the river. Uh, it seems to me that that we are fine I don't know. are we still finding that really hard to do, David?
1: Uh, it depends on who you ask. A lot of people and I'm a, a, a good population of uh, the world, I sometimes feel gets caught up in the world, right? They get caught up in the world. They go, What's happening in the world? What's happening in politics? What's happening in the news today? What's happening in the war? What's happening? And that becomes their life. Mm-hmm. And you have a life inside. Like I, you know, I can go to the news and be depressed, be upset, be alarmed, be scared, be angry. Or I can look outside and be like, it's beautiful out. Like, it's amazing. There's supposed to be thunderstorms coming in later today. And so it's where do we choose to spend our energy and spend our focus? And if you want to, I like, I like the analogy about the river, the one that I would say was have a destination, like where you want to go to. It's one mm-hmm. thing to be carried, but it's also another thing to be like, you know what, I want to swim over on that side. Like those rapids look really exciting to me. I want to take that journey mm-hmm. because, Without a destination that challenges us to grow, we're not going to grow. I mean, that's just that's just it. And so in a lot of ways, people get, especially post-pandemic, I think there's sort of some psychological exhaustion the planet is feeling, like sort of an exhale that's taking place. And then some people are like, well, this is what I used to do beforehand, so I'm going to go back there to feel that comfort. And it doesn't feel quite the same because obviously a lot's happened in the last couple of years. So there is some of that. But at the same time, I feel like there's also much more awareness, much more interconnectivity. And really, when you look back to pre-pandemic life, people weren't doing podcasts by video all the time. Who knew anything about Zoom? Like Zoom wasn't even on the radar and now it's everywhere. It's almost ubiquitous in our language. And as a result of that, we are forming connections that we have never thought about forming before on a scale that we never thought before. And what you come to realize is it doesn't matter if we're talking in the continental United States or you're in Europe or I'm in Asia or wherever the human experience is very similar regardless of where you go and that information and that ability to produce, consume, and exchange information that we are now, on the scale that we are now, is unprecedented in human history.
0: It is quite extraordinary to say the very least uh, that uh, the way not only that we're, the way we're connected <clears throat> via uh, our electronic devices, our screens, as some people like to use the term, uh, it's really something, but what I find interesting, and I'd love for you to elaborate on this, is the fact that um, we were connected long before we ever had even the uh, uh, industrial revolution. We were connected. We just weren't aware of it.
1: Oh, absolutely. Well, and and it's hard because it. yes and no, I would say we were aware of it, but on a different level. And, mm-hmm. and what I mean by that is... At some point, if you go back to the ancient Egyptians, how the pyramids are set up with constellations, how just intricate, how they built them. They have 20 ton doors that you can move with a push of a hand that we can't account for how they did that. All these things suggest that they had a different relationship with, let's call it quantum physics. Mm. And, and, by, and, and, and maybe the easiest way to say that, they had a different relationship with their imagination. And then in the post-modern kind of in the past after we, got, after we got out of the Dark Ages, after we got out of the Crusades and civilization started to settle down and nation forming was kind of finished or, or started to get complete, the world got really hard material and it was, it was concrete and it was steel, and it was. And now what's happened is because of this interconnectivity that we that we have kind of forced on ourselves, because we have 8 billion people on the planet, most I don't know three quarters of them, or at least two thirds of them, are connected to the internet on a daily basis, regularly, and in some sense, that what's fascinating is we went through a period where, like Henry Ford, brought in the assembly line, invented the assembly line in the early nineteen hundreds, like nineteen thirteen or nineteen twenty-three, I don't remember which, and what happened to America is we became this factory. We became this factory of industry, and that led into World War II and the mass production. But that was also kind of our mindset, and everybody did the same thing. It was like, we're all robots, all going to work at the same time. Men dressed the same in the 50s and 60s. It was kind of this robotic sort of thing. And then the 60s came, and it was like, wait, let's not do that. It was the age of Aquarius. Start to branch out and express different ways to experience life. And, And now, because of technology, The sense of individuality that we can achieve is extraordinary and as a result what's happening is people are waking up to their imagination because it's partly driven by wanting to be significant or standing out in a way that makes you unique on social media so you people get more likes or follows but it's also that is actual real self-excavation on okay who am i who am i am i doing this because i want to be liked by millions of people or am i doing it because i have something deeper in me that is wanting to serve and when I, I authenticate that and really make that as valid and authentic and as real as possible, the followership is going to come.
0: Very fascinating. Only, especially because what one of the things that I think is just so incredible is this process uh, that we have, uh, whether we developed it or developed it or otherwise, <clears throat> this capacity. Uh, for human kindness. Now, to me, that is connected to our higher self. It's connected to that still small voice. If you, And again, people will refer to it by many different phrases or names. I call mine my friend, who has never put me in harm's way. It's had me do a lot of silly things from my personality perspective. But, you know, when I look back, I'm going, oh, okay. I, I still remember this one, uh, it was dealing with finances, and I'm going, no, I, that is totally contrary to my plan, to the what I've kind of designed to fix the problem. And it just kept pushing and pushing, okay, all right, all right, all right, all right, I'll do it. A few days later, I realized that if I hadn't done what I was prompted to do, things would have been, oh, so much worse, so much worse. <laughs> And so I look at that going, yeah, I know. And, and what's nice is the debate is allowed. Okay. And you still have free will. You don't have to do what you're being asked or prompted to do. It's You still have free will. Right. But what I found is, um, unlike a lot of people, they get real upset if they think that their individual rights are being taken away And when I take a look at my individual rights, I don't believe that my individual rights are being taken away, and I'm subject to uh, to the same laws as these people who are complaining. I exercise my individual rights. I take control, and I say, well, you can view it that way if you want, but I'm not going to get trapped into that energy uh, um, um, sieve, if you will, or drain Uh, You know, I'm going to sit here and say, you know what, I'm going to choose to do this just so that especially because it's really not that important because this this world that we're living in, David. Right. It's not real. I mean, we think it's real, but that's our mind. That's our personality. Right. Whereas if we're coming from that other place that we're talking about, that's what's real. And you can't touch it, taste it, smell it, feel it, uh, you know, and so forth. But it's as real as it gets. And it's what's going to be there when all of this stuff is less than dust.
1: I I love that, Richard. And it it reminds me, again, to this book, The Quantum Revelation. But it also reminds me of Dr. Joe Dispenza. Because Dr. Dispenza, I don't know if you've read his book, Becoming Supernatural, came out, I want to say, right before the pandemic fantastic book though and dr dispensa has done just a yeoman's job of exploring the quantum field that's what he and, and how to connect to it and like how if you go back to nikola tesla and we all matter is energy vibrating a certain frequency I mean, that's kind of the basis of what quantum physics is and you start to get to this space where you're like okay well if that's true and i am I know I'm flesh and blood, I feel this, I know I've got skin, I've got organs, i got all that stuff, but I'm also quantum, I'm also like energy, like 99% of my body is space. And it's just, it's just atoms and protons and neutrons moving and then I observe it and they kind of get it to a certain position. But you're absolutely right. There is no objective world. That's that's kind of one of the big things from the quantum revelation is each one of us is experienced the world in our own way. If you and I are walking together down a highway and we see a rainbow, we're not seeing the same rainbow. You're seeing it from where your vantage point is, I'm seeing it from where my vantage point is. If I hate rainbows, I'm gonna look at it completely differently than if you love rainbows. I mm-hmm. mean it's just a fact. And so it kind of calls to this idea, well, if if I'm experiencing my own version of reality, my own version of the world, why wouldn't I want to make that as fantastic, as beautiful, as resplendent as possible? Because that's what the, that's the life I want to live. And it's a question of how do I discipline myself so that I don't fall for the rut that oh my gosh, if I turn on TV, this is what's happening. And now I'm, my anxiety's up, my heart rate's up, everything else, because something's happening in DC or something's happening here. And it's not to say that I don't want to be tuned in to aware of what's going on, but I don't want that to define who I am. And too many people get caught up in that. And that's why I said earlier about getting caught up in the world. So you really have to be able to take a step back and acknowledge that Yes, there's a physical body. Yes, there are parts of the body, of the anatomy, but there is something else that is behind all of that. And that is that connection to the other space. And if you call it third eye, the universe, God, whatever you want to call it, you know, that's, I mean, that's the whole premise behind quantum physics is the universe reacts to being observed. Like that's what the light experiments are. That's what Dr. Moto's water experiments are. If you want to go on YouTube and see these fascinating experiments that this doctor did, But the universe absolute response to being observed. Well, if that's the case, then what is the universe? And so that goes back to this idea that if there's one mind, then how do you get as close to hearing that mind as clearly as possible in your brain? Kind of like how do you how do you tune in? How do you find your frequency? to tune into the best. And part of that is you have to scope your mind towards, you know what, I wanna look at everyone as equal to me. I'm not better than anybody else. I'm not worse off than anybody else. I wanna serve everyone I come in contact with by acknowledging that that, like we are equal, these equally spiritual beings, whether they realize or not, if I I bring more of my spirituality to a conversation to compensate for someone's not feeling it, maybe I balance them out. Mm -hmm. So I I love the whole premise of, of what you said in terms of how you engage with the universe. And, you know, I, I think, um, oh, I can't, Neil deGrasse Tyson talks about how the four primary elements that make up the universe also make up humans. You know, it's nitrogen, carbon, oxygen, and hydrogen. Those four things are most abundant in the universe and they are most abundant in human beings as well. So you really are the universe. You just have to elevate your mind to comprehend what that means. And that is a beautiful journey of continuous never ending improvement.
0: It's kind of like uh, what I saw in uh, grade school, or or actually maybe it was high school, they were showing this film in science class of a a huge sheet of um, treated sheet of glass uh, that was designed to take an holographic image of, let's say, a building. And what was so fascinating about this film was they took this sheet of glass, and you could move it around and you could see the three-dimensional aspects of the building a little bit, you know, in this on this sheet of glass. And then they broke the glass. And the whole image was in every single individual wow. broken piece of glass. That's it so wasn't, cool. It wasn't a part. It was the whole. It was smaller. That's yeah. true. But it was the whole. And we, as it has been described by many people on this program as well, we are nothing more than a hologram of, and again, when we talk about this, it's not the physical body that we're talking about. It's that which animates the physical body, which I know a lot of people are trying to understand. We might call it consciousness. I love a documentary I saw where they got the permission of this one gentleman who was who was dying, and they wanted to weigh him before... During and after his passing, do you know that he lost and I can't remember the exact amount But at the time of his passing uh, There was a loss of like an eighth You know to a a quarter of a pound.
1: Oh No, I know they so I know they did a movie nothing.
0: um, Yeah, and nothing left at the table Everything was right there. They didn't touch it, but they watched the scale change when he took his last breath
1: That's interesting. I remember like 20 years ago, maybe they did a movie. I want to say it was Matt Dillon called 22 grams. And it was about how much a body decreased in weight. And I don't know. I mean, I don't know the premise behind the authenticity of the the movie, but that's fascinating. And I believe it. Right. It's, I mean,
0: but it also says that, that, that which left apparently had some mass and or weight of some sort yeah. it was one minute it's there when, and I love I love uh, the way temple grandin puts it in her in the movies that they made of her where she's watching in the in the slaughterhouse where they're killing the uh, cattle and they kill the cattle and he dies and her first comment is well, where did he go He was just here where did he go And she yeah. knew that the cow wasn't there anymore the body was yeah, yeah. but what made that body animate, wasn't And that's something that we're talking about here With David Richards DavidRichardsAuthor.com is the website And you're listening to Tell Me Your Story I'm Richard Dugan, your host And I always love these conversations Getting into the whole aspect of quantum I, I have I have to say David Richards My guest here on the program DavidRichardsAuthor.com is the website uh, He's the author of uh, The Lighthouse Keeper and Whiskey and Yoga um, That um, uh, it just, it's just—it's fascinating to me, death and dying, or transformation or transition, whatever words you want to use, yeah. has always fascinated me, because I'm always wondering. Okay, for example, I—I I, my sister left her body uh, about uh, two months ago, and I'm—I'm I'm, you know it's not so much my question of where did she go. I just know she's still here right now there is no real other side my perspective is it's at a frequency that we as human beings with our six senses we can't see we cannot we're not we're unaware of it through our six senses because the 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 phase the frequency the vibration whatever you want to call it is different for those people who have left the body. If we could raise our frequency to that level while still in this body, we would be able to see them. And I know there are some people who actually do. They actually do experience those images, right? Have you ever had that happen?
1: Uh, I've had a couple out-of-body experiences. Um, I would say, The other thing I would say to that too is I, I've started to get to the point where I think it, leaving a body here just means that person shows up in another universe and there's a different version of their world. Mm -hmm. And it's, maybe it's better, maybe it's worse. Maybe, you know, for your sister that you are there and you're fully you, or maybe it's not. And maybe it's a transitory state where she doesn't experience anything. And then her next level of consciousness kicks in at some point and, and everything's great. But um, I actually, uh, I've been writing about this in my next book, but I was, when I was five, Um, It was so fascinating because I grew up in the military and so my dad was in the Marines and for most of my life we lived on military bases and then I obviously joined the military, but for four years we lived off base, this was during the height of the Vietnam War when it was clear America was losing and I never thought that people might have animosity towards my dad because uh, he was a Marine, but we had some, some really just weird things happen, but one of the things that happened to me was um i had a friend a five-year-old friend named danny and he had two older brothers and i had an older brother and danny would just get like it was probably like 1974 danny would just get super angry like he would get nuclear incredible hulk angry and just go off the charts and so one day we're playing in a backyard someone's backyard it wasn't even our like no one's backyard we knew just some stranger's backyard because it was the 70s and that's what you did and uh it was time to go home for dinner and Danny went nuclear, he didn't like that. So he picked up a hammer. It just happened to be someone like someone was working in the back on stuff against like a door or something. And there just happened to be a hammer laying there. And so his brother screams like, run. And so I remember I just beeline cause that like, I just knew that was bad news. And then out unconscious, got hit in the back of the head with a hammer. Um, and then what I saw was I saw his oldest brother carrying my body down to their house but I couldn't like I couldn't get close. I was like 15 feet away from whatever It was really dim and dark. And, and then I woke up and I was at my house, and I had a bandage on my head and Danny and his mom were there and he was apologizing. And, and that was kind of it. But it was uh, it was so surreal. And I can I can still feel and have the experience of seeing his brother carry my body down down the street. So
0: Wow. You know, my mother asked me some years ago if I'd ever had any supernatural experiences. And that was a tough one for me to answer only because um, I kind of took the perspective, if you will. That sounds a little odd. Um, I'm not putting myself up on any pedestal, mind you. But I'm taking the perspective of Jesus and the miracles he performed. Um, It was not unusual for him. To do whatever it was that he did, that that ha- we have in writing today. So I told my mom, I says, well, if I've had them, they've just been sort of sort of normal, ordinary experiences. I I you know, I couldn't I couldn't label them as anything other than that because I didn't have anything else to compare them to. You know, right. uh, So it's hard to it's hard to uh, to uh, uh, you know kind of tap into and see that. Uh, but I know that. For example, after my sister's passing for several days and weeks after, uh, I would hear more, most prominently, of course, I would hear her in my, in my ear, so to speak. I would hear inside, Hey, Richard, it's all right. Everything's all right. It's okay. Everything's good. And I would hear her laugh. And then I would see her laughing. Of course, there are, there are hundreds and thousands of pictures of her because her husband had a camera with him everywhere he went from the day I met him when they were first dating. And he's, he's got thousands and thousands of photo- images. He said that the memorial, uh, at least I was able to hone it down to 300, <laughs> which is still a lot. But it was it was good to see. It really was. Um, speaking of which, photographs. I mean, you talk about quantum, uh, quantum physics and so forth. There are people uh, who I've had on this program years ago. Uh, Stephen Lewis is his name. He wrote a book called Sanctuary that talks about his, uh, his form of healing through a process called EMC Squared. And it's not, you know, it's not related per se to Einstein's theory of relativity, mind you. But what he does is you send him a a photograph of yourself head to toe. And then he puts it into his computer. It analyzes it with whatever algorithms they're using to determine what frequencies are, shall we say, out of tune. Not so much out of Mm. balance, but out of tune. And so then the computer generates those Counter frequencies to get those out of balance frequencies back into balance, and he's got a scale from one to a hundred that you know again another algorithm to process to see where you are uh, in terms of that. It reminded me when I was talking with him about this about what I had heard Native Americans say about having their pictures taken. They didn't want their pictures taken because they felt that. The the person taking the photograph was stealing their spirit, and yet we have evidence today <clears throat> that images, as well as the human body, of course, you know the auras through Carillion photography and so forth. Right. Let's talk a little bit about how our energy, uh, shall we say, is um, I don't know, disseminated or spread or expanded um, in in that in that way. That we have people that are actually stepping across those lines to help us and we're not even in their physical presence i'm a reiki master i know all about absentee healing and sending the energy yep. so to me it's fascinating stuff
1: no i agree and it's it's fascinating too because it seems like i like i know here in uh, i'm just outside raleigh north carolina but there's a place called happy Hole you that uh Stood up, I want to say, at the beginning of the year, and it's all this holistic, new age medicine. They have, um, you know, red light therapy. They have sound therapy. They have—I um, oh, can't even think of what the name of it. It's a bio something or other. It escapes me. But but it's it's so cool because that's not the kind of thing that you would expect to see in Raleigh, North Carolina. And the only one other one is in—I want to say—outside um, of Los Angeles or something. But there's absolutely this idea of and you think about it, if you are in your head, if you are in your head and you are either talking negative or you're angry about something, that energy is still coming out of you. That energy is how you interact with people. That is and and it's kind of this internalized thing that just sparks whatever. And it may drive people to respond to a certain way. And maybe that's power for you. And so that's what you want. But it's also if you are, the the reverse is true, right? If you come from a place of how do I serve? How do I make everyone that comes near me feel safe or feel loved or feel power, whatever? How do I do that in such a way? But that is is just another frequency that you can tune into. And you are making the decision to do that. And when you do that, people are going to respond to you differently. If you want to change the way someone responds to you, respond differently to them.
0: You know, and you also bring up uh, uh, the, uh, this, the, the idea of musicians. And I was listening to uh, some musicians the other day talking about uh, their connection with the audience and the audience's connection with them. And the thought that just kind of came to me when I think about um, a stadium or a concert hall filled with thousands and thousands of people who, are there to hear this this band or this individual sing and performance do and, and and share you know of himself his energy i'm thinking every time that happens you're looking at if you were looking let's say from above you're looking at a whole new organism it's a, you know and it's still all of those little pieces are still holograms of the whole but now you have an organism that is a reflection of the whole
1: yeah absolutely and you i mean you think about it from groups of things have an identity you know we call them movements in military it can be like the marine corps if i if i say think of the marine corps you have an identity or an idea an image of the marine corps that comes in mind i can say as a marine we certainly projected an image and an identity but that there is a there's a kind of it's almost like the idea of a mastermind right if you have enough people thinking in a similar direction towards a similar outcome that sense of there's a mind to that there's a movement and an energy to that and that's absolutely true and, and certainly as you're talking about concerts i think back to i've been to concerts where the band is playing just off blowing the stage up and the audience is responding accordingly. I've and I've seen somewhere the band isn't playing and the audience is like, eh, this isn't so good." And you, I mean, there's absolutely a relationship there, yeah. and that is, you know, we talk about this one universal mind. That is a portion of that mind where there is a group of people who are in concert with, for lack of a better word, in concert with one another, and there's that kind of mind meld that's taking place that gives that group or that formation or that crowd an identity.
0: DavidRichardAuthor.com is the website, DavidRichardsAuthor.com will be linked to that website as well so that you can find out more about the work that he's doing through the books that he's writing. As You said you have a new one coming out. We'll talk more about that as we continue here on Tell Me Your Story. I'm Richard Dugan, your host, and it's really a pleasure to have David Richards back with us here on the program to talk about his work uh, uh, and, of course, our conversation dealing an awful lot today with the uh, quantum physics, if you will, and every Everything quantum. Uh, I mean, there were years. a few years back. You know, there were other uh, uh, phrases that or words that were being used to describe everything. You know, I'm still waiting for, uh, and then quantum seems to be the catchphrase these days. I'm waiting to go in the grocery store and find quantum ketchup and quantum mustard. You know, and quantum, quantum donuts and and all of that stuff. Um, and I, I always, I always think about it facetiously. Uh, um, yeah, well, what? The old physics wasn't good enough for you? You gotta make up a new one, you know? <laughs> and I keep thinking, science does evolve.
1: Oh, for sure. Absolutely. Well, they have to, and that's the, the whole premise is science is trying to figure out what are we. They may not do it from an angle of spirituality, but that's the that's kind of the that's what the, the hammer of quantum physics is, because mm-hmm. it takes the classical paradigm of what we have known for and believed for hundreds of, if not thousands of years and said, Nope, that's not right. There is absolutely this spaciousness between matter and it's, and there's this interconnectedness. And it, if you had said this to me 10 years ago, I'd be like, that's hokey voodoo witchcraft kind of stuff. And now you see science kind of continuing to peck away. And like I said, people like Dr. Joe Dispenza, who looks at this and says, if you get focused and clear on what you want, you can project that into the quantum field and it will manifest in your life. And it's that's law of attraction 101. It's just the most scientific approach to it. So it's. It, science absolutely evolves by necessity, right? Because, I mean, we, like, we want to go past where we are, we want to expand, we want to become more. And, you know, again, in this day and age where we are producing and consuming and exchanging information so much, so much on a scale previously unprecedented, I like to tell people, when I was growing up 40 years ago, when I, if I wanted to go find out who the first three emperors of Rome were, maybe we would have a, an encyclopedia Which was just a bunch of books and Mm -hmm. maybe they had something in i would have to go search and find out okay is this true or does that have does the book even have the information i need Mm -hmm. i could ask i could ask my dad because he was smart and he might know otherwise i would have to go to the library so that is can i get a ride at 10 years old or whatever (laughs) so now something that i can do today in literally about 10 seconds would take me two or three weeks 40 years ago and you think about well what are we doing with that increased learning capacity? Are we looking at cute animal videos all day? Are we looking at people like doing (laughs) weird stuff? Or are you like, how can I use this to sharpen who I am, sharpen my identity and make the internet work for me instead of me being a slave to my handheld device.
0: Well, while David uh, Richards and I are talking, I'm going to take my cell phone. I'm going to go launch a couple of rockets. I have that much power, ladies and gentlemen, in this phone. I have more power in this phone than they had in all of the computers laid out at Houston's Mission Control to launch our Apollo rockets. That's what they say, that we have that much and more just in that simple cell phone. And it's really extraordinary. But Even more importantly though, and I find this interesting, and we're going to talk about this more as we continue here on Tell Me Your Story. I'm Richard Dugan, your host, and we're going to talk more about how not only does the cell phone, smartphone, iPhone, whatever kind of device you might have, tablet, have more power than all of the computers that they put together to launch the Apollo program in the 60s and early 70s, but we... As a quantum beings, shall I say, David Richards, we have more power than all, I'm going to put it in this context, no harm to anyone please, all of the nuclear devices on this planet combined, we have an unlimited amount of power, based upon partly on what you said just a moment ago about how, and I want you to tell me how, I can put forward that which I want to bring manifest into the quantum field and make it a reality, Uh, preferably today, but you know what, I'm a man of patience, I'm a man of patience, so I will wait for the universe to lay it out, okay? Uh, cause that, that's all that always seems to be the key right there. So David, how, how do we do this? I gotta know. I gotta know what's the secret. What's this, where's the key? You know, I gotta find the key, you know,
1: <laughs> well, it, and, it, and that's, and that's the catch. Right. Because into this day and age where we have these phones that have incredible amounts of power in them and we can get instant gratification uh, almost any second of the day. Really? I mean, it's like, unless you don't have internet or something it's an instant gratifier and if you really want to put something out there you have to envision and feel what it would be like to already have it and that is where people struggle because we want stuff. We see something outside. It's like, oh, I want that. I want that car. That Corvette would be so awesome. I can't own that nice house. I want that. And so wanting something is a natural recipe to create separation between something. You have to get to a place where you're like, well, how would it feel if I had that house? How would it feel if I had that car? How would it feel if this was what my life was like? This is what my relationships were like? And when you start to really tap into that feeling, then what's happening is you are creating that inside you and you're going to express it outside of you.
0: But- The question I have for you in that regard is, how can we be certain? I know the answer already, and I know where you'll probably take us. How can we be certain that that Corvette or that house or that boat or whatever it is that we want to manifest in the quantum field and then in the the real world is part of our life's purpose, is part of uh, the divine plan for us? Is for uh, for our best and highest good, because a lot of people they just want 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 want. Yeah. I mean, uh, since the since the uh, war uh, since the invasion of Ukraine, I've been seeing all these little pieces on uh, Google News about all of these oligarchs and their yachts, these massive massive yeah. uh, towns on a keel, you know, um, yeah. floating floating cities almost, and it's like who needs this you know it, it's all it you one guy you're one guy owns his home thing do, do you have neighbors do you have anybody else living there you know I mean what what fun is that if it's just you and of course maybe the captain and crew kind of thing but how that's something that we need to tap into and that is, is it for my best and highest good? That was one thing yep. someone said about the secret, that that was one thing they, they left out, not intentionally, but it just, they overlooked that.
1: No, it's a good call out. And I'm, I'm actually building an online course about achieving absolute certainty as a, as a pathway to realizing your dreams and manifesting the life you really want. And one of the things I talk about that is you have to have the highest serving motive you can possibly imagine. Because the greater your motive, even if it doesn't necessarily feel good, I can go into specific examples, but if it's good for you, like if it's good for you spiritually and it's good for other people, then you can agree it serves a greater good. Mm. And what you come to realize is the higher you sort of polish or refine or sculpt what your motive is, the more people you can impact with it. And that is, in my mind, the key to um, really the secret. I think if you look at the oligarchs, and certainly you can attribute a lot to the constraints of communism and how Russia is governed Um, and some people are going to benefit from that and a lot of people aren't going to benefit from that and that's kind of what the Russian society is from what I understand but if you really want to tap into something you're absolutely right you have to have and most people don't even ask themselves you know just what is my purpose in life. Because if you ask that question, you will find an answer. You absolutely will. And I remember the first time I did, that prompted me to write Whisk and Yoga. And that was a huge turning point in my life because I I had never asked myself that question. And it shifted me. And it shifted me when I wrote my second book. And it certainly shifted me during the course of the pandemic working on my third book to be completely going in a different direction, but also have absolute clarity on where I was going and pulling and drawing from within me who I needed to become in order to make that dream a reality.
0: Mm. David Richards is my guest. DavidRichards.com is the website. We encourage you to go there and uh, check out the work that he's doing, as well as the two books that he's already mentioned. We both mentioned The uh, the Lighthouse Keeper, as well as Whiskey and Yoga. And uh, you're listening to Tell Me Your Story. I'm Richard Dugan, and I do not have a whiskey, uh, although I know a few shots, and I would be able to do almost every a yoga pose although i'm not sure i could cross my legs with my feet up on my knees on both sides i think uh, that lotus, i might br- that is lotus uh, that the lotus but yeah i think i might yeah. break something or, or seriously <laughs> or seriously strain something and i don't want to do that it's I've got enough as it is. Um, I'm curious. I, I was talking, we were talking about this in a previous interview about how we feel on the inside, especially the little child inside. How old is that little child? You know, 6, 8, 10, 12, maybe. Uh, I have often said that my internal chronometer is at 17 now that's not the small child this is that's this is something different from that my mind my heart my soul feels 17 All right, and I remind my uh, soul and inner voice to remind my mind and body that my body is not 17 Uh, remember because you can still do a lot of stuff don't get me wrong but you've got to move a little slower you've got to be a little bit more deliberate you can't be as chaotic uh... when i was a kid growing up we bicycled all over town we would set up these ramps uh, that we would take our bicycles and jump the ramps and one day i jumped the ramp and i forgot to pull up a a little bit more on the front wheel and it came down this was just after christmas i had a brand new watch with hands on it and a crystal And it landed right there, and I went face into the concrete and slid about 10 feet and scratched that glass up like you wouldn't believe. I do that today. There's going to be a whole lot more. I think I'll be in the hospital. (laughs) So I've got to remind myself that, hey, the body, it is what it is. It's great. We've got a lot of opportunities to sort of uh, reinforce some of the, the systems in our physical bodies. But by the same token... And I will relate this to what you just said about, for example, uh, Russia and communism or uh, communist capitalism in China, which I kind of define in that, or any other regime, doesn't matter, or capitalism in this country with a republic or a democracy or corp-, corp uh cor- corp I guess they call it. All of these elements are all temporary. Talk to us about the temporal nature and how we can make sense of that and as much as we would love to have an economy that never had a depression never had inflation never had uh, any problems whatsoever that would be nice but that isn't the reality the reality is that it, it does this it does this just take a look at the stock market and and over the years that it's been around, it's it's done just that it's gone up and down and up and down and up and down and up and down. And granted, it's made a gradual over the decades climb. That's true. But it still has what they call those corrections. Life is the same way. It's a roller coaster. Matter of fact, you look at the chart of the of Wall Street and it looks like a roller coaster. Well, and so it's, let's talk about love- the temporal nature of the world.
1: Yeah, I mean, I like to think that history history is alive, right? Because we are all made of, we are all part of history, and history repeats itself. History has patterns to it. History, you know, between the stock market crash uh, in the early twenties, and then you get World War II, and then there's this boom, and then there's you know, it goes up and down, and that's true of finance. It's true of what happens to the globe. There's different. I mean, the, the pandemic is kind of the ultimate personal war, like everyone was affected by the pandemic. Um, and now we threw tons of money into the into the system. That's why inflation's through the roof. That's why there's talk of recession. But this isn't anything like, this is just winter and it's just another season of life. And so you have to kind of look and, and get through that. But it's also about how you respond. And a lot of people kind of put themselves as cruising through life and they want to see life. It's almost like they're steering um, or they have a plan and they want to like go according to the plan. If the plan doesn't go the way we want, that's when people get stressed. Well, I like to think of life, and it kind of ties back to the lighthouse keeper. As I'm on a ship and I don't know what the storm is going to be of the day, but usually there's a storm that comes in some shape or form. And so it's how do I navigate that storm? And I still have a destination I'm going to get to. But I know that if I fixate on getting focus on that destination without looking at the storm in front of me, I'm actually taking myself further away because I'm, I'm not paying too much attention to the life in front of me, the life in front of me. And that's, you know, this other idea and aspect of quantum uh, physics and the quantum revelation is that even when, even though we feel the sense of age and we feel history, and you talked about, you know, your body feels differently, you respond to your body differently now than you did when you were younger, the premise behind the quantum revelation is the universe is refreshing itself constantly like every and that's that's the atoms the vibrations and it's when you pause and check in where things are then you're tuned into that aspect of the universe but the universe itself even though we say it's oh it's 13 billion years old is it or is it brand new like is it like this feels like this doesn't feel like the universe I was in because Mm -hmm. if I'm really looking forward or being present with myself I'm not carrying the baggage of my history behind me. And that is a completely different way to look at life. And a lot of people don't do that because it's hard to, because in in kind of retrospect, and it kind of speaks to the higher purpose piece, right? Is you have to sort of release yourself from the mistakes you made or the things that you have held on to that aren't serving you any longer. And people don't really take the time to do that because they're so busy being productive in their life.
0: Yeah. Another element too, uh, REM uh, was very eloquent when they said in their song and this applies to the moment by moment existence of every single one of us it's the end of the world as we know it each moment is the end of the world as we know it it's not about destruction even though the song kind of throws all those historical references throughout uh the song in the in the verses Uh, but the reality is that I can't go back to my childhood home and, and enjoy that uh, even if even if I went back there and I bought up all the houses on both sides of the street and I returned the lawns to just that grassy lawns and I took away all of the fences, the people that I grew up with, they're not going to move back there. They're living right. and doing their lives the way they're doing. That's gone. And that's okay. I'm, and I think that's the other thing that, that uh, we also have to take a look at, and that is... Uh, the aspect of um, uh, the aspect of uh, um, the aspect of um, uh, what do I want to say here? Uh, the, the temporal nature, but also you've got those memories. You are the person you are because of those experiences. You've grown, you've changed and so forth. And yeah I, I sometimes I' amused about those days when we would be out in the yard playing kickball. I mean we had there were no fences. No fences uh, around uh, our yards uh, for, for, for almost the entire block. Not quite, but close. Close to the entire block on both sides of the street. So we had ourselves a huge playing field for kickball. All right? Yeah. That's what we played. Um, and it was great to be able to play in the yard and run around the yards at night Up and down the alleys at night. Of course, we also knew when the, not curfew, but, you know, it was time to to go in. And just having a blast. And so I've got those memories. And I had that. And, of course, kids today, they don't have that kind of an experience. I think primarily because of our technology. But even all of this, even the technology is temporary. It's all temporal, you know
1: oh and you think i mean the crazy thing is like you think about where we are what i talked about earlier in terms of how long it would take me to learn something 20 years ago compared to today or 30 years ago and what's going to be next like if if we have phones that have this much power now and we are more connected than ever before for the size of the population of the planet what's next like that's what i that's what i'm curious about is and that's and that's what i'm exploring with my next book so it's it's exciting because we're on the precipice and, and that's why it's so important to stay hungry. Like this idea that you put your life on cruise control towards retirement or something is so outdated. And it's like, who wants who wants a path where you go through every step and that's exactly how your life turns out. Like you want to, like, I wanna make my life an adventure. And that's, that's what makes life exciting is, yeah, I have, an, I have an idea where I want to go. I'm not completely sure how I'm going to get there. But, man, I'm going to put every effort, every ounce of energy I can into today to live my life to the fullest and see where it takes me. And then I'll adjust course tomorrow.
0: Yeah. I think that uh, there will come a time when, uh, yeah, we will, we will actually be able to uh, go through um, and travel wherever we want, whenever we want, And we're not going to need (laughs) we are not going to need the airlines or the train or for that matter, much of anything else to get where we want to go, because we'll just be able to go. And I find that rather interesting, too, that I think that that's closer than closer than we think. That we'll be able to do that, you know, by by locating is one way, uh, for example, yep. in autobiography of, of a yogi to bilocate, or uh, to um, oh, what's another word for it? Uh, um, transport, I suppose, maybe, you know, we will develop the transporter that will allow us uh, to um, to basically go wherever we want to go.
1: I go back to, uh, I want to say it's Ray Kurzweil's book, The Singularity is Near, and I want to say he wrote it in 2006 or something, but he was saying by 2040, we will transcend our biology. And and you think about how smart, if you apply yourself, how smart you become today in this day and age. If you're constantly seeking self-knowledge, constantly seeking to become more and a bigger version of yourself there are virtually no limits. And so I, I am a firm believer, especially with the pandemic and kind of this wake up call. And I mean, we've talked about the quiet voice or you know, connecting with the universe or God or however you want to describe it but that was when I was promoting the lighthouse keeper, that was all the podcasts I was doing was like soul podcasts and spiritual podcasts. And it was kind of this global awakening for that community. And then there's a community that's like still bricks and mortar and material world. And like, Oh, the pandemic's really scary and everything else. But somewhere between those two is a beautiful story of where we're transcending and we're moving towards something that's going to be really fantastic.
0: I would agree with you, and it makes me think, of course, of the, uh, one of the Star Trek episodes from The Next Generation where they have this one being who's being chased by his planet's people because he's different. And uh, as, as, the pro, as the episode of Co- goes further forward and the debates go on and on about his transmuting, which he apparently has no control over, he is, he, he is going to change. He's like a, like a caterpillar in the chrysalis. He's going to exchange whether, whether the people who are chasing him like it or not. And he actually changes into this glowing humanoid type of body. Um, and then eventually is able to leave the ship just like going right through the wall because now he has evolved into the next level of being. And of course the people, the human humanoid people on the planet, they can't handle it. They're not ready for it because their consciousness hasn't risen to a point where I'm ready for that. If that, if that is the next level. And then there's that other, there's another episode where they're, they're, speeding across the galaxy trying to find these fragments of DNA to put into one of their tricorders. They finally get the last fragment and they're, they're with other beings, other humanoid beings like the Klingons and the Romulans and so forth. And finally, the last piece of DNA is put in there and it activates the tricorder and illuminates this holographic image. Kind of like in Star Wars with, uh, with uh, Princess Leia, you know, coming out of Obi-Wan. Yep. Uh, or C three PO, and basically the 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 person says to the group that's there, you guys are all part of each other, you know, and the and of of all of them, the only ones who sort of kind of got it were the humans from the Starship Enterprise, whereas all of the others, with their more primitive minds, shall we say, said, oh no, that's impossible, no way, and they just were in disgust and left. And what we're finding is, unless just keep it to the earth, all humans have virtually identical DNA with obvious variations that make us unique.
1: Yeah. and, And that's what I, especially as someone who was in the military, because you realize what really separates people's beliefs in a lot of cases. and beliefs are formed beliefs are and i'm not saying telling people what to believe but but you have to appreciate if you believe you are separate from someone then how can you ever hope to kind of transcend to a higher state because you have to appreciate that whether you believe in quantum physics or you're sick of talking about quantum physics or newtonian physics or whatever but if you have to believe there's a, a transcendence then that transcendence at some point has to exclude violence. And yeah. I, like there, there's a purpose to violence, I think. There's an evolutionary component to violence that helps us transcend to grow and become more. And I think that's kind of the role that warfare has played to a large degree throughout human history is, you know, as, as atrocious as some of the wars were, it caused bigger things to come out of them. And yes, You know, you look at World War II and America stepped onto the grand stage of, of the globe in superior fashion, getting involved in a war we didn't have to in Europe, and then turning back the tide of um, imperial Japan, but that's just another case of like transcendence. That's another form of transcendence. And yeah. so, yeah, yeah. I, I absolutely agree with what you're saying,
0: Richard. Well, saying. it's it's like uh, with this this whole uh, Ukrainian situation, and I've I said this from almost the very beginning uh, that I had this I had this surge of energy that if I had the wherewithal financially. Uh, yes, I'd like a I'd like a round trip ticket to Moscow, please. I land in Moscow. I get out. I head for the Kremlin. I go through, pushing the guards aside. I get into the room where he's at his forty foot table. I go to the end of the table. I grab the little guy by his ear and say, "That's it. You're in permanent timeout. This your mother is ashamed of you for what you're doing. This is not the way we play in the 21st century. And I don't want him killed. I do not. That is that is contrary." to the premise of what we're all about on this program. He gets a permanent timeout. All right? He's got to face the music. Okay? There are consequences, uh, for, you know, for every action. There's an equal and opposite reaction. Uh, uh, you know, our, our science has taught us that, right? So let's, let's... Because I'm sitting here and I'm going, why isn't anybody stepping in? Why aren't we stepping in and saying, no, stop this, you know? Shut this down. This is not there has to be another way to do this if if we're going to do it at all and i would say the same thing with every silly little conflict that goes on where we are separated by our differences you know that our differences seem to be more important than our similarities you know and that's it's 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 uh, that's just kind of my <laughs> just kind of my thought in regards to uh, in regards to this whole aspect you mentioned of, you know, these these nonviolent solutions. I mean, my goodness, come on. You know, I keep wondering, I love this, you know, how we, we often say, you know, if we're, uh, the saying is if you are, if you, uh, uh, that we need to uh, look at history uh, so that we can learn from it. So otherwise, if we don't learn from it, we're doomed to repeat it. Yep. And someone asked me this question in an interview. They said, okay, you've asked uh, that we need to learn from history what do we need to learn from history Uh, and i I don't know it seems self-evident to not repeat quote-unquote the mistakes of history that have killed millions and millions upon millions of human beings Um, because we sure haven't uh, stopped procreating that's for darn sure we keep making them Uh, as fast as we kill them we make them even faster Um, but i just i just that's kind of an interesting question, I suppose. What, uh, what are we supposed to learn? And, and then once we've defined that, how do we go about the process of learning it? So we don't repeat and I'm not talking about you and me, you and me, we're already there. I'm talking about the people in those ivory towers in the various countries around the globe.
1: Well, I would say certainly there are lessons to be learned from history you have to look at a different aspect. And that's one of the things I'm doing with my next book is, um, is the idea that there must be an untold side of history that we don't understand. And part of that is this idea, if you believe in God, there must be especially in the, you know, posts, the crucifixion, uh, and Jesus going back to when we adjusted the calendar. But there must be a story within history that we don't fully understand and i think that's part of the lesson learned and certainly it's i mean you look at the appeasement that took place with hitler that led to world war ii getting out of control and when do you when do you kind of pump the brakes and intervene the same thing like you said with russia the difference is with russia that wasn't there with hitler is russia has nuclear weapons and so that's like okay well how do you intervene then when
0: yeah. a country that has
1: nuclear weapons and stuff so it's an interesting paradigm because now the anti's up a little bit it's like all right well that's a new thing that we haven't had to experience before um but there absolutely is there's a there's a, a pulse and a rhythm to history and you just have to have the patience to look at and understand it, and that's a great thing. I felt so fortunate, I would never have considered myself certainly going through school someone super interested in history. And then when I was in the Marines and I, I got a master's degree on kind of the theory of warfare, it completely changed my paradigm because for me, that was there is a story of history and there's a reason why people go to war, and it just depends on how high you want to take that concept to figure out what's going on and throughout world history,
0: you know. Um, I've heard this, and I'm curious about your response to this, especially having served in the military as a Marine. Every, uh, specifically man, but every person who has served in any capacity in uh, a, a military of any kind over the centuries, over the centuries, has died in vain... Because we're still fighting. World War I was supposed to be the war to end all wars. And we had World War II. And then the Korean War and the Vietnam War and this conflict and that conflict and so forth. What are your thoughts in that regard? Because I'll tell you what, I would love for the people who have served their respective tribes and countries uh, to not have died in vain from the standpoint that when their sacrifice is worthy is when we stop the stupidity of killing one another over that which is temporal.
1: Well, and that's and that's part of the education I think we're experiencing right now. Right. That's why the war in Russia and Ukraine is fairly limited. So it hasn't expanded. And there's been a very conscious effort, certainly from NATO and the West to manage that as best as possible. When I look at, you know, if I watch Saving Private Ryan or a movie like that, that kind of does a historical retelling of what happened during World War II, you say those people died in vain, but did they though? Because Hitler did some atrocious things. And at one point it looked like he was gonna win the war. Mm-hmm. Like that, I mean, and, and it's it's weird as a military person, you appreciate how efficient the war machine that Germany produced was? And then you also had to detest how grotesquely it was executed Mm -hmm. Um, but the people who stopped that you know who who stopped who, you know paused the the expansion of nazi germany and fascism and then contracted it whether it was the russian side or the you know the the ally side in the west um a good thing came out of that like there was even though the cold war had this kind of simmering tension to it there was general peace. I mean, there were some conflicts here and there, but nothing on the scale of what we thought World War III could be because we really knew at this point, World War III could be really bad because right. of what we did in Hiroshima and Nagasaki. And we don't want to turn the world into, you know, a, a lawn dart fest with all these nuclear warheads. So True. I don't see those people as dying in vain. I see it as how do we really start to accomplish the end state that we're trying to achieve as a global community. And I think that's, that's if, when I look back over the last few years, this rise of nationalism that kind of has taken place over, since the pandemic or over the course of the pandemic, that's interesting to me because there is a sense of global community. And certainly the more we interface with one another on webcams and video cams, especially internationally, you start to develop a common sense of, wow, people in India don't have very different ones than what I do. They want a nice house. They want to be happy. They want to watch TV with their friends or do fun things. Not different than me. Doesn't matter what they believe. They just want to be happy and have their needs fulfilled. And the more that we can raise that kind of awareness, the more we will temper this Animal primal instinct of warfare as necessity, you know, as a necessity to advance the cause of humanity. And, and again, it goes back to I, I say that not in isolation to what we've already discussed, whether it's quantum physics or this idea of Ray as well the singularity, where at some point, if there is a greater power, that the whole story of human history will start to make sense. And it'll be like, oh, okay, that's it, got it.
0: Okay. Yeah, yeah. I find it interesting when I watch these historical documentaries. And they'll come up to a particular event and they'll say, and this is the event that changed the course of history. And I go, did you know what the course was going to be? And that's how you can say that? Because I don't know what the course of history is going to be. I have no clue. (laughs) I mean, hindsight's great because it's 2020. You know, but I just find those, I find those phrases uh, humorous in that respect. Uh, And but maybe it did. Maybe uh, maybe we were going to go down another path that, you know, wasn't going to be too pleasant. Uh, And this particular event that took place changed, uh, changed everything, which, you know, uh, that's something, too. You know, when we were talking earlier about your perspective of the world and my perspective of the world and then we come together and so forth. And there are times when I'm wondering if maybe um, all at the same time, there are eight Billion different timelines going on at the same time, both into independently of one another, but also interdependently of one another. Uh, you've seen some of these uh, new uh, uh, programs. There was a TV show a few years back of this little of this kid, curly-haired kid, uh, who didn't talk much, but you know he'd get real agitated. Maybe he was on the spectrum or something, and. Uh, um, uh, they would they would show like three or four different stories in the first 15, 20 minutes of the show. Neither None of those stories had anything to do with any of the other stories. But as the program progressed, one, story one would cross over the line of story two, and then story three would cross over one and two, and story four over one, two, and three, to where now... Somehow, the events of each of the individual timelines has brought them together in this particular instance, in this particular experience, and it reinforced my belief: there's no such thing as coincidence. However, there is such thing as coincidence—things that coincide. Um, what about the thought that I need to be a Some might say, I need to be about my father's business. I need to be about my life's purpose. Uh, I need to to be present, to be uh, awake and aware and and conscious, uh, totally conscious, and in this moment and so on and so forth. Because if I'm not, then I can't be the best I can be when my timeline converges with or crosses over David Richard's timeline and so on and so on and so on.
1: What I would say... Richard, I feel like we're coming to a point where we talked about it earlier, this idea that you can design your life. And if you think about, if you want to manifest something in your life, the feelings that in order to manifest that, you want to feel like you already have it. And that is generally going to feel good, right? I mean, you're not going to like, no one's going to say, oh, I want a car and I feel bad about having it. So that's like, you're like making it harder on yourself. But if everyone starts to sort of embrace the idea that the law of attraction is real, it's it's a law and it's irrefutable and that kind of thing, then what do we have? We have a planet, like you said, of 8 billion people who are saying, how can I feel good about the destination I'm taking myself to? Mm -hmm. And if we all did that, how powerful could, like, that's the thing. Like, again, you're right. We have 8 billion different timelines that are all interacting. But if we all said, you know what, we want to tune into that frequency in our head. That is that unique frequency that each of us has with whatever we want to call this giant mind or Like I said, the universe, God, whatever you want to call it. But if we all said, Oh, I want to feel really good, I want to feel as best I as I can, and we all did that, what kind of world would we create? We talked about how units of people, mobs, crowds have identities. What kind of global identity could we create if everyone is like, you know what? I want to feel as great as I can about the destination I'm taking myself, not worrying about what my past is or the things I've messed up or the lessons I didn't learn or whatever the case may be, but I just want to feel good about where I'm going. And because when you think about that, it's not like I say, well, I want to feel good about where I'm going, but I don't want Richard to feel good about where he's going. That doesn't make sense.
0: No. Because now like you're
1: now now you're introducing negativity into the equation. And if we just all had the discipline to focus on our own lives and making our lives an embodiment of our highest values, our highest purpose, our highest self, then we would literally transform the planet. And we're at a point now where we, I don't believe we were before with technology, where with someone with that inspiration and vision to share with people, we can actually make that happen. So that's that's where I feel like we are. I agree with you that there are all these different timelines, but the awareness that we have timelines and you know what, can we all tune into the same frequency that's unique to us, but maybe a master frequency is out there. Mm-hmm. That that leads us to that idea of the singularity coming in ten or twenty or fifteen years, whatever it could be.
0: I I am I look forward to that just uh, not because I understand it, but because I would like to experience that. I, I just think that would be yeah. very cool. And I have plans on being here for another forty years at least. I have to outlive my great grandmother. Likewise, she Likewise. lived to be a hundred. Uh, so Excellent. you know, and I, so I've got thirty eight years to uh, or more. Thirty eight or more years yeah. uh to do that i would definitely love to uh, love to experience that we're talking with david richards david richards author.com is the website and this is tell me your story i'm richard dugan your host and i thank you so much for staying with us uh, we are fast approaching the end of this particular edition uh, uh david and uh, this has been extraordinary i'm really looking forward to your new book coming out uh, i would assume probably not till 2023
1: it's actually coming out december 8th um uh, it's uh, a birthday present for someone, so I'm dedicating the book to someone. But uh, I'm about ninety percent done. I just need to go back and kind of bring the story together the way I want. But uh, December eighth is when it's coming out.
0: Very cool. I I I love, uh, and I don't I don't see, for example, the work that you're doing. Uh, for example, the the Lighthouse Keeper is a novel per se. It's uh, I read. Uh, and actually recorded before audio audibles were ever audibles. I recorded uh, J- um, uh, James uh, Redfield's Celestine prophecy. I put it on okay. cassette for my wife. And I'm watching the movie in my head. Okay? Uh, the scenes and everything. And of course, when the movie did come out, I'm going, wow. That's exactly how I envisioned it and the characters and the way they looked. It was really cool. But um I would put your books under the category again of that whole aspect of self-help and quantum uh, physics and or quantum learning and and raising one's consciousness and and thinking higher thoughts and taking in those things that can help us uh, music, different kinds of music that can help to foster sort of the uh, rewriting of the neural pathways in our brains to have a greater capacity for understanding of where we're going next. I I just it's very cool and I thank you so much for for sharing your ideas with us.
1: Absolutely. Richard, it's a pleasure to be on again and I I'm, I'm so excited for this next book to come out because it uh it will hit you uh like a spiritual hammer. It's it's uh it's a really powerful book. I I've never been more excited to share something with the world than uh the book I'm working on
0: now well I'm with you there uh, in terms of having it shared with me and I look forward to seeing that at the end of uh, this year and though we're not competing with one another where I I, I, my philosophy has always been uh, David I wanna make you successful because if you're successful then I'm successful you come first okay I'm hoping that I can hit the publication date of my book choices 12-22-22. 12 That 22, 22. that is my goal
1: okay excellent excellent
0: and I've been working on mine much less much longer than you 21 years so wow, wow. Uh, but I've been I've been uh, uh, I've been a student of procrastination and I've gotten A's in all my coursework so <laughs> I look for, <laughs> I look forward to seeing your book and and uh, sharing mine as well and having you back on the program to talk about it when uh, when it does come out.
1: I would love that, Richard. Thank you again so much. This has been an absolute pleasure and I really enjoyed our time.
0: I do have three final questions I did ask you the last time we wrapped up our program. I'll ask them of you again. But before I do, I want to let you know, the listener and the viewer, that you are listening to and watching Tell Me Your Story. New paradigms for a new world, giving you choices and knowledge of those choices to help make your dreams come true. Sundays at 7 a.m. and 7 p.m. Monday mornings at 1 a.m. And Wednesdays at 9 a.m. for our special edition of Tell Me Your Story. And we stream live at those times at richarddugan.com. We also have podcasts on SoundCloud, iTunes, TuneIn Radio, Spotify, Stitcher, Player FM, iHeart Radio, as well as Amazon Music. And we're also on YouTube where you can watch these interviews. And I highly encourage you to subscribe, not to boost up my subscription numbers, no, so that you get notified every time a new program, a new podcast or videocast is posted. So please subscribe. You can subscribe anonymously too, so that's fine. And you can just listen. You don't need to subscribe, but sure, sure. Pass on the links and all that good stuff so that more people can hear what our guests are saying. This is not about me. This is about what we are talking about on these programs and sharing with you that you then can share with other people. So take take as much as you want from our smorgasbord table. Please do. With that, uh, first of those three questions i like to ask. First is, who is David Richards?
1: Oh, man. Uh, I am a <laughs> storyteller. Um, a lover and seeker of a greater truth and an adventure.
0: <clears throat> what is it that you hope to or want to achieve through the work that you are doing now?
1: I want to expand people's minds and awaken their imagination so that we can transform how people view life.
0: And finally, what is your life's? Purpose.
1: Um, yeah, so I just revised this uh, last December. So uh, I like to say the purpose of my soul is to be a force for liberation, enjoy breath giving experiences, and do spectacular achievements for myself and others.
0: Well, David, uh, thank you again. David Richards, David Richards, author.com is the website. Uh, the two books available are The Lighthouse Keeper and Whiskey and Yoga. And uh, you'll need to read it to find out just exactly how he paired whiskey with yoga. Fascinating uh, story, fascinating information. And we also look forward to his quantum book that will be coming out uh, in December. And we'll definitely have you back uh, either at the end or first part of 2023 uh, to expand on that as well. So, again, thank you so much. And I thank you for listening to and watching Tell Me Your Story. New paradigms for a new world. We are giving you choices and knowledge of those choices to help make your dreams come true. And until our next broadcast, podcast, videocast, love to lol. And Jeanette, I am listening.